Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. And welcome to the Year of Joy um, series where we're interviewing people who we're having as joy superpower experts in our Year of Joy to discover a bit about their superpowers and how they can help you find more joy in your own life. And today, I'm happy to have Robert Mack with me here in the podcast to talk about the joy superpower of love. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, that's great. But let's have a few words about who Robert is. So Robert is an Ivy League educated positive psychology expert celebrity happiness coach, published author, and television host and producer. His work has been endorsed by Opera, Vanessa Williams, Lisa Nichols, and many others. Robert is very well placed to talk about love because he served as celebrity love coach for Famously Single on the E! Network for two seasons. And Robert is a familiar face to many of you in the US, having been featured on television shows like Good Morning America, The Today Show, as well as in magazines like GQ, Cosmopolitan, and Well and Good. Welcome to the show, Robert. Um, so, so happy to be here, Andrew. That's a fantastic intro. I need to come back here just to get the ego stroke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's wonderful to have you. I mean, and, and, you know, you've been doing some fantastic work, not just on love, but also obviously on happiness more broadly. But let's sort of start off as what is love? Yeah, it's a word that means many things to many people. So what's your definition? It's a great question. And I think that question alone there probably describes um, the cause of most relationship problems, right? Is the ways in which we differently define love. I define or describe uh, love as uh, sort of a synonymous with joy, or with happiness or bliss. I think that we often think about love as something that is different, that it's a different energy or phenomenon from happiness or from joy or from bliss. But I think it's just a different way of perceiving or experiencing the same energy. It's not two different coins. It's the same coin, but two sides of the same coin. And so when you're happy and you're all alone, we call it happiness. But when you're happy and you're spending time with others and you're happy in your togetherness, then I call it love. Um, so happiness um, is really um, just your love shared and love is really just your happiness shared. Uh, so I think of um, love that way, that it's really your happiness or your bliss or your joy shared with others. I think it's a much healthier, happier way to talk about love. Yeah, I love the broad definition that you're giving it to there. And I really love one of the quotes that you gave us, which um, says that love is not an exclusive relationship with just one person. It's an inclusive way of relating to everybody in the whole world. And I really love that. So tell me a bit where that comes from and what you thought. Yeah, there. probably like most things, it comes from my own failures and personal challenges and trials, um, travesties even, um, and, and hopefully a few triumphs as well. Uh, you know, I think when most of us think about love, we almost immediately confound it with dating and relationships. And we, we confound it with a primary uh, partnership that we have that's um, a romantic one. And, uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. And that being said, I think that's a very sort of narrow um, definition of love. And I think there's a much deeper, all-pervading, thoughtless, wordless, faceless, formless, infinite, eternal 
experience of love that we could all enjoy and experience a lot more of, a lot more consistently, whether or not we have a partner. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think of love as um, a way of relating to everybody and everything in the entire world. It's inclusive and not exclusive, um, as opposed to you know one relationship or a relationship that we have with one person, one other person in the world that's mostly um, or exclusively romantic. Uh, so that way, it's more like a trait or a quality, like loving kindness or friendliness or, mm-hmm. um, you know, compassion. Uh, so when I think about love, I think about that. And it doesn't exclude romantic relationships. It certainly includes them, but it doesn't um, mean that they can only show up or show up in the form of romantic relationships. Excellent. Well, because this week's, you know, we've got Valentine's Day this week and it, it's sort of pushing us um, depending where you are in the world, but I know in America it pushes you very much to this <laughs> uber commercial, um, sort of romantic, sort of love involvement, which can be, you know, hard for people who aren't necessarily in a relationship at that time and feel excluded um, in a restaurant, for example. Absolutely. I mean, there's a pandemic of loneliness, you know, across the world. People feel increasingly lonely despite being increasingly well connected technologically and in other ways. Um, and uh, sometimes that's heightened around the holidays, particularly the Valentine's Day. So I think it's a message um, that's a particularly important one uh, to get out there into the world that love is uh, ultimately, and your love life is ultimately up to you, that you can be uh, loving and you can feel loved and you can feel lovable, partner or not, right? Whether you have a relationship or not, it's an important uh, recognition to have. Absolutely, absolutely. And especially that self-love is the foundation for the love of others yes andrew so good yeah i it's another way i describe love because i don't think ultimately you know the things that matter most in the world can't be described or defined or quantified uh love light music you know these are hard things to kind of capture uh with words at all and uh when you capture them with words trust that you don't really have the experience you just have an explanation and the greatest uh explanation is experience um Mm -hmm. for sure so yeah i think um it's important to sort of um love yourself certainly when your bucket is full you can pour into other people's bucket and one way of describing or defining love with that loosely is uh it's your self-love shared right so when you're tapped into and turned on and truly deeply in love with yourself or loving yourself and self i mean with a capital s so not just your physical body not just your job or your occupation or you know your money or any of those things but actually that thoughtless wordless awareness or consciousness that we might call your spirit or your soul um, when you're in touch with that, which you always are, but when you're aware that you're in touch with that, we might call that self-love. And when you go out into the world and you interact with people, you feel love for them and you share love with them easily and effortlessly, enjoyably, and you do so without an expectation of reciprocity. Wow, that's, that is really strong. That is really strong to, to say that. One of the things I love about living here in Finland is that for here, the Valentine's Day is actually, the direct translation is Friends Day. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it takes it much more broad, right? Um, so, you know, it, you can celebrate it with your family, you can celebrate it with your kids, you can celebrate it with your, your mates, or you can celebrate it with your partner. It makes it much broader, much more inclusive. So I really like that concept of taking it to that Friends Day level. If I wasn't convinced before, and I was, that I need to get to Finland, you just convinced me in a whole new way. That is fantastic. I should have known that, Andrew. Fantastic. Really beautiful. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they're known as the happiest people in the world. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We got to take notes. I take notes. We all need to take notes from Finland for sure. Excellent. And 
and you know, I love this concept you saying that love is is synonymous in a way with bliss and joy and happiness. So, you know, I think that's really important that people don't get hooked up on just one definition of a word, but look at these things broadly connected. Absolutely. Yeah, it's easy to get, um, I think, lost in words and semantics um, on one hand. Um, on the other, it's um, easy to think and seductive and tempting to think that love only shows up in one form. And, and, and if it doesn't show up in that form that you don't have it, you can't have the experience of, but love is ultimately formless, you know, it's formless. And so sometimes it shows up as a romantic partner. Sometimes it shows up as a friend. Sometimes it shows up as a stranger. Sometimes it shows up as somebody who's hating you or seems to hate you a whole lot. You know, it's treating you very rudely and disrespectfully. And then it's an invitation to love yourself and to love them anyway, or to take your attention off that and find anything in anybody else to love. Um, so it's um, a really good point you make, which is that, you know, we don't want to nitpick over the name, face, and place that love shows up and instead just be open and receptive to love showing up in whatever way it desires in that particular moment of the day. Absolutely. And you you struck on a really important point, which is, you know, it's easy to love people who love you um, or, or you think match your ideal of what's who somebody should be. But, you know, loving people who have different views from you um, politically or, or people who do bad things in the world, um, then then it becomes quite a difficult concept to get your head around. How how do you show love in those types of situations? Oh, you nailed it, Andrew. What a beautiful and poignant remark. You're right. It's easy to love people who are seem to be lovable, right? Um, but it's not about whether another person is lovable. Uh, I would even challenge whether it's love if you love someone who's lovable it's only love if it's you know uh about your state of consciousness it's not about their lovability right it's not about their lovability and often the people that are least lovable are the ones who need it the most and that doesn't mean being a doormat it doesn't mean sticking around in an abusive relationship it doesn't mean being an unhealthy um friendship or unhealthy relationship it doesn't mean any of that it just means you know being selfish enough to prioritize feeling good being happy being loving, being self-loving more than, you know, um, anything else in the world. And so I'm a pretty selfish person. I'm maybe consider myself a hedonist. And I like feeling good so much that I don't want to spend too much time. In fact, I don't want to spend any time hating or disliking anyone or anything, um, you know, for very long, because I know that that's just going to compromise and diminish my own happiness and my own self-love and my own experience of love. And if there's one thing I've discovered about love, and I'm sure you have too, it's that you know, love is its own reward. I mean, there's nothing more wonderful often than having someone feel the love that you give them. Yes, for sure. But there's nothing, I think the only thing that's more exciting and more enjoyable than the benefit of someone reciprocating your love is you feeling the joy of just loving for someone for no reason. You know, even mm -hmm. when they've not been well behaved, uh, it's a great feeling, right? And again, it doesn't mean you have to stay in or be in an abusive relationship at all. It doesn't mean you should be a doormat. Um, it just means that uh, you can be selfish enough to commit to unconditional happiness and therefore unconditional love. Yeah, it's amazing. And and we have our own unconscious biases related to this. Um, as you said, you know, who's lovable, who's not lovable. And this even comes down to physical characteristics. So yesterday evening, I was at a Tantra um, event. And our first exercise was basically to, you know, to walk around the room engage with these total strangers and sort of say wow 
and then come up with something that you find attractive about them. And for some people, that was super easy. And then for other people, you really had to pause and sort of look at this person in a different light from how your biases were already processing who they were. And, and it, that was such a profound experience just to do that little exercise of finding the beauty in everybody, um, even if they're not what would naturally attract you specifically as a person. And, and that was oh, just lovely exercise. 20 minutes of going around this room and in, interacting with these total strangers. And oh, I'm getting shivers. I just love that exercise so much, Andrew, um, to make it practical and tactical in that way and to actually practice it. You know, I remember early in my life, I found myself um, being kind and being generous and compassionate from a place of expectation where if I didn't get a thank you or some kind of expression of appreciation back for being a nice person, then I would be upset. You know, I'd feel some way and I'd say, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have held the door. I should have let them out in traffic. I shouldn't have said hello or whatever it was. And I just thought that's so backwards, Rob. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it, you know, for, you know, um, them? Are you doing it for you? Who's it? So in any case, um, I remember at some point making a decision that I was going to look for the best um, within everyone, right? And I was going to find a way to find something great and good and even attractive about everyone. And I remember how hard it was at first, right? Because my mind was wired. I had wired it in a way to see the worst in everything and everyone, including myself. And then I remember once uh, practicing it for a while and then how enjoyable it became and then how easy it became. It became so easy that it was hard to actually then turn it back around to see something that was wrong with, right? And so most of us have practiced seeing what's unattractive about people for so long that we've wired ourselves to become very good at it. It's almost automatic. But in the same way, we can rewire our brains and um, our way of experiencing ourselves and other people so that we only see or focus on the attractive or best qualities within other people. Right. And that reminds me, it reminds me of something, you know, people who listen to me talk a lot will know that I, I get on my hobby horse always about the negativity bias and you know just to understand that if it's approximately 70 percent of our thoughts are negative if we don't make an effort we're going to be naturally negative right so neutral is not 50 50 right neutral is 70 percent negative 30 percent positive so we really have to work even to get to that neutral position where half of our thoughts are positive and half negative you know let alone go to where you're saying of for almost everything you can you can look on the bright side find the good in the person that takes a lot of practice to do that yes andrew and a great point you make there all the unconscious biases in the brain cognitive biases and distortions which are uh, so many of them designed to your point to help us survive not to allow us to thrive right so they're designed to keep us alive but not necessarily keep us happy and negativity bias is one of them you know the brain's an incredible problem-solving instrument really does a fantastic job of problem-solving solving problems and that being said it's probably just as good if not better a troublemaker right <laughs> it can create problems just as easily and quickly as it can solve them so you solve one in five new problems seem to pop out of nowhere and that's the negativity bias there in, in action um, it's just trying to keep you alive and so i like your point there we can rewire our brains um, in ways that are much more constructive much more productive and profitable with respect to our happiness or success or abundance or relationships and love. Uh, it's just a matter of practice. And it doesn't have to be torturous. It doesn't have to be painful. You can enjoy it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, this is really important when you talk about the practices, because, you know, within the Year of Joy community, we basically got two aims. The first one is to inspire people. So, you know, sharing content where they can go, wow, that's cool. Um, oh, I understand that. Share knowledge, share wisdom. And then the other part is empowerment. And that's why we have it as a year of joy, because we know that change and doing practices takes time. So we want to give people within the community time, but also then connection with other people who are going on this same journey to stumble together, to learn together. And so this empowerment becomes really important. When we think about love, you know, can you think of what are some of the, the tips and suggestions you would have for people for how they can start embedding loving practices into their lives, which can help Absolutely. Them? Yeah, I can think of a few. Um, right away, I can think about, you know, it's easy to want to attract or manifest more love. And that's beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, and a great place to start with that is just beginning to increasingly notice the love that you're steeped in already. So mm -hmm. as you go out throughout the day, I would take note of two things. Um, one, and first and foremost, the things that you love, just start to pay attention to, think about and talk about the things and people and places and activities that you love. You know, just make that a regular practice where you talk more and more about, oh gosh, I just love the sunset and I love this thing about Andrew and I love this about that conversation, you know. And mm -hmm. that's the first piece. And the second is notice how much love is coming at you and coming into your experience all the time in every moment, no matter what you do or don't do, right? Mm -hmm. And it can be from other people, sure, the person held the door for you, uh, the customer service person took care of you over the phone, the waiter took your order, whatever it is, but you can also go farther than that. You can notice the ways in which life itself and the universe itself has continued to love you and loves you in this moment all day, every day without any, mm -hmm need or expectation for reciprocity on its own part, right? So there's air that continues to enter and exit your lungs all day, every day, every moment. And mm -hmm. then the, if you think about that, not just that, but then your blood, you know, sort of is pulsing through your blood vessels and, you know, the earth is spinning on its axis and it's hanging in midair and it's rotating around, you know, revolving around the sun and the sun is just shining all this beautiful, wonderful light that provides all this energy to the entire planet. And it's done so for as long as we know. And so you just think about all the ways in which existence in the universe and life and other people seem to support you and love you. Even the chair that you sit on, even that is a really a form or way of thinking about love. It's a, really a supporting you and it's really not asking much in return at all. Um, so just, I would say, practice those two things, uh, maybe at the top and maybe a third practice is to begin to look within yourself and focus and think about and maybe even identify or track, maybe list out the things about yourself that you genuinely and authentically love and appreciate, they can be little things. It doesn't have to be big things. Um, I would keep my mind and focus off the things that I didn't love about myself. But every day, just try to note down a few things about myself that I genuinely and truly appreciated about myself. I think those three practices are probably three of the best practices for not only increasing your enjoyment experience of love now, but also attracting and manifesting more of love in the future. Oh, I love those. I love those. If we sort of just a little bit about those, the third one brings to mind that I've been sort of working with um, the, the spiritual laws of success right, by Deepak Chopra. So a great little book if somebody hasn't read it. Uh, but I've been you know, working on that for a few months now. 
And one of the days, one of the practices is to, to write down the things that you're good at. And boy, was that hard to begin with. You, know, you, you write two or three things and then your mind goes sort of blank and you start thinking of all the things you're not good at. Um, but then over time, as you keep doing this, that list grows and you start expanding it. So, so I'll make a good cup of tea, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, all these little things that you, you just took for granted. All of a sudden, when you appreciate them, that grows your love for self automatically because we take so many things for granted, I think. You just nailed it. Um, we don't often appreciate things until they're gone or at least very scarce or, you know, we feel that they're at risk. And so I love that exercise you just mentioned. It's brilliant. Uh, I sometimes call those success islands. Uh, success islands are things that we're effortlessly gifted at. And um, I call the other ones happiness islands. You kind of call them love islands, but they're activities or things that we love for their own sake. We enjoy for their own sake. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about this, whether you do it for things in general um, or you do it specifically with things regarding yourself, is that the more you do it, the easier it gets and the auto more automatic it becomes, right? And so it's plastic that way. Um, and it, uh, there's a compound effect uh, that happens, sort of like compound interest. Uh, the more you do, the easier it gets, like an algorithm kind of thing. So it's um, a really fantastic practice. I love that so much. Um, when it comes to focusing on yourself, sometimes I call that a self-love journal. You can mm. call it a brag book. I love the idea of a brag book. Um, and the beautiful and wonderful thing about it, and you mentioned this, Andrew, which I just think is... Uh, really remarkable and poignant which is in the beginning it's really hard it feels really hard I remember when I started my self-love journal I couldn't come up with any bullets at all except for the one bullet of at least I'm trying I'm trying to love myself that's my only bullet I couldn't find anything else but what's interesting is if you keep your eyes and focus and thoughts off of everything about yourself that you feel isn't lovable and you just focus on the few things even if it's one thing that you do or can love or do see as lovable within yourself. Over time, as you practice that one thought over and over again, you find that over time, the thoughts proliferate, you become aware of more and more things that you love. And then when you go to turn back and look at these previously unlovable traits or qualities within yourself, you even begin to love those things. And you think, oh my gosh, actually, how did I hate that thing? Why didn't I love, it's such a wonderful quality, that quirky little nose, or I have a you know, funny little way of writing or a funny little way of talking. And you know, there's something very interesting about that. And there's something that I love about even that. And so it begins to bleed in this really beautiful, positive, healthy way. I love that. I love that. Um, we could go so far down, down that journey. Um, but one thing that was interesting when you were talking about, the other thing about noticing all this love that's coming to you, that's around you, that's in your every day. I thought that was really powerful because it's something, you know, I struggle with sometimes. Sometimes the day just gets on top of you, right? You're just rushing through, got so much going on that you miss all those little signs of, of love that all around you, you know, that strange dog wagging its tail as it walks, not your dog, just a random dog. And it's wagging its tail at you as though you're the best thing you've seen all day. And, and you sometimes ignore those things, but if you can take a moment to deeply appreciate, it can certainly help, or at least it helps me to do that. Absolutely, Andrew. And you make a great point. It's easy to get overwhelmed and become distracted by everything that's on our plate or everything that's on our mind. And that's mm -hmm. why it's important to be intentional. So it's intention, not tension, no tension. You know, we want to do it without intention. We want to try to enjoy it, in other words, right? Um, and 
um, you don't have to focus on the big things. You know, often we get caught up and think, I should be really focused on the fact that I have running water. Why can't I feel gratitude or why can't I feel love for that? You know, or I can't feel love for this incredible family that I have or the health that I have. But you do notice that suddenly a song comes on and it's a silly song, but you find yourself laughing or it's really enjoyable. And so don't make it hard. I think that's important. Uh, you know, stick with the things that you feel viscerally just a little lighter around, a little more joyful around, a little more live around. And for me, those little things, it's like, oh, I see somebody attractive. Oh, look at attractive. That's, wow. Or I hear a song or suddenly the smell of something would be like, wow, it's, it's amazing. Like, I just love that smell. It's not a big, big deal. Just sort of celebrate that a little and just to try to save it a little bit more. And you'd be surprised that as you focus on the experience mm -hmm. of these things that you love or that you like or that you enjoy, you get out of your head. And when you get out of your head, you're actually drowning in this infinite eternal pull of love that exists within you all the time. So it's really happening. So these little things, these little people, places, activities that you feel love or enjoyment around are sort of invitations to get out of your head and to dive deeper inside the self with a capital S that is this infinite pool of love that's always already there just waiting for you to dive into. Wow, that is that is so such a great visualization. I love that that pool. Um, you know, water's really um, important to me. So that concept of just being enveloped in all these little things, bringing all this love energy just sort of lightens my heart. So thank you, Robert, for sharing. Oh, you're that. so welcome. You're so welcome. Thank I'll just you. share one other quick thing. I know um, I want to be mindful of your time, but one thing I want to say is that you love water. I love water too, is when you do that consistently enough, um, sometimes we talk about that in terms of like, we call it resting in peace or resting in love or resting in happiness, mm -hmm. but you're drowning in it really. And, and in that sort of drowning experience, you're filling yourself up with more peace, love, and joy. And at some point you become almost like a rain cloud, right? You become so full of peace and love and joy. You realize that you've always been full of peace, love, mm -hmm. and joy, that you find yourself wanting to sort of share that peace, love, and joy, just to unburden yourself from it. It's just so much you can't contain it, right? And so you, before you long, you realize that without effort and without an expectation of reciprocity, you begin to sort of shower all other people and all other places and things with that peace, love, and joy automatically and effortlessly and joyably. And it's great that they benefit, but you just enjoy the unburdening of that experience, the unburdening, the showering of that peace, love, and joy. And you do it um, sort of an infectious, contagious way. So I just wanted to finish and wrap up that metaphor, Andrew, because I love um, yeah, that. That's such a wonderful way to wrap up. Um, and I'll just wrap up with one little question for you, which we always ask our guests. And it's a simple question, but Robert, what brings you joy? This conversation, this conversation brings me joy. I um, was, as you know, I was super depressed and suicidal for a long period of my life. And it was such a beautiful gift, ultimately, because it's led me to my purpose and my passion and to my deepest joy, um, which is having this kind of conversation with people that I love a great deal. And so I just want to thank you for that, uh, Andrew. It's conversations like this that have saved my life. And it's conversations like this that I'm looking forward to uh, continuing. Oh, thank you so much, Robert. It's been a, a joy and a pleasure to me to chat with you today. And I'm sure our listeners have found this really um, informational, but more importantly, uplifting. Um, I think that's really the energy that we want to give people is to, to say that this is love, this is joy, and it's available to everybody. And you gave people some wonderfully easy tips at the end of the day 
about how they can do that. And I look forward to our year of joy community members going out and practicing these love tips over the coming weeks. Um, so thank you once again, Robert, for being with us today. And I'd also like to thank our listeners um, because, you know, they're important. And I'd like to especially thank our Year of Joy community members who are with us on this journey for a whole year to try and build joy in their lives. But more importantly, or equally as importantly, give joy to others around them. And, and we're going to measure that. We're going to see how that impacts them, the people around them. That's going to be super exciting. So thank you, Robert, once more for being with us. It's been a wonderful 30 minutes talking with you today. My pleasure and honor. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I appreciate you, my friend. You're more than welcome. And listeners, thank you very much. Wishing you a beautiful week, a week of love ahead of us, which we turn into a month of love, into a year of love, into a lifetime of love. And on those words, um, hope you'll tune in for the next week, for the next episode of the Art and Science of Joy podcast. Until then, stay well, stay joyful. And above all, stay in love.